Are you struggling in your faith? Are you pretending you're happy but stuck in a spiritual rut? Are you tired of listening to famous pastors and preachers who make it sound so easy? Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Protestant and Catholic voice in America. I talk about the important things that nobody else is talking about, like how to align with God's plan for your life, because I believe this is where 90% of Christians get stuck. And I tackle the negative self-talk that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are brave Protestants and Catholics who share their struggles, their fears, and their daily holy habits that help them win in their spiritual lives. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist and a spiritual coach to Christian business owners and CEOs who are married with children. This show was created for you, the broken Catholic, who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guest is Pastor Samuel Rodriguez. You can find him at PastorSam.com. PastorSam.com. Now, I came across uh, Pastor Sam on Instagram, and I saw what he was up to. I looked into his content, and what a powerful preacher. Um, just really on fire, passionate about God's word and not just the sugary parts of God's word that make us feel good, but God's truth. God's truth must be matched and married with God's compassion and mercy, right? And so many times right now, BC Nation in this world, all we want to hear is the sugar-coated feel-good gospel. We don't want, we want to throw out God's truth because it's confronting to our lifestyle, and our choices. But God asks and demands both from us. So Pastor Sam, I want to invite on to bring, sprinkle in some of God's truth, obviously, into your life as you're listening, into uh, what you're dealing with in your families, in your relationships, in your faith walk, but also to sprinkle in God's love and compassion and mercy into your struggles the very parts of humanity where you feel broken, you feel not good enough, you feel unworthy of God's best. And to re-energize you and reignite that God does have a awesome and mighty plan for your life. So Pastor Sam, uh, just a little bit about him here. He's a Christian, he's a husband, he's a father, he's a pastor, he's a movie producer, he's an author, uh, advancing the Lamb's agenda. He's a podcaster. He does videos, devotions. He's got his hands in so many projects. Now, Pastor Samuel Rodriguez is the president of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference, the world's largest Hispanic Christian organization with 42,000-plus churches in the United States and many additional churches spread throughout the Spanish-speaking diaspora. I'm not sure if I said that word right, but he will correct me on this. He's been recognized by CNN, Fox News, Univision, Telemundo as America's most influential Latina Hispanic faith leader. I will leave it at that. He has so many more achievements. But Pastor Sam, thank you for being on Broken Catholic, number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Take about 60 seconds or so and just fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Yeah, honored to be with you. Sam Rodriguez is a kid from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. 
uh, Steelers fan, fourth generation Yankee fan, diehard Trekkie. Um, and my parents are not preachers or pastors. I, I was born with an affinity for mathematics, um, for mathematics and science, but math is the language of God. I'm still convinced it is. So anyone who had issues and qualms and angst regarding calculus, wow. Anyway, uh, there's redemption at the end of the day. Uh, and that's who Sam Rodriguez is. I haven't changed much in respect to what drives me, what compels me. I had, I did have an encounter with, with the risen Christ in my early teen years that marked me, defined me, and here I am today. What was happening in those early teen years where you, that encounter changed the trajectory of your life? I was having, you know, as any teenager and uh, those that are inclined towards be it mathematics or science, I was having great issues with my with my faith. My parents, again, as I alluded, are not pastors or preachers, but we were raised in a Christian home. And I just doubted everything, absolutely everything uh, regarding faith, regarding Christianity, but regarding faith and uh, and even the existence of God. I didn't have... I didn't have the necessary scientific, mathematical acuity or acumen at that time to, to truly understand the reality of this universal architect, the architect of design and destiny. Didn't have that, didn't have the bandwidth. So I had a myopic sort of worldview, which prompted me to become a quasi-church-going agnostic, as many are at that time, and even in their 20s, college years, and so forth. And, and I had an encounter with God that was so real, that was so remarkable, that was so beyond me that from a mathematical probability standpoint, the chances of that happening, you know, randomly, I just couldn't embrace it. It required more faith not to believe than to believe. Um, hence, here I am today. It was pretty amazing. I was in a church setting. Um, I just had a conversation with God and said, hey, God, listen, if this stuff, I just don't, I don't even know if this is right. This sort of challenging God, if you're real talking, that sort of thing. It's just, it becomes awkward, weird. Uh, if you're real, if this stuff is real, if this is legit, you know, you know, are you the God? At that time, Stephen Hawking was a believer. He pivoted. He vacillated in his later years. And even to the last like week of his life, he actually vacillated back. Uh, but he would talk about, you know, there's a God who designed everything, but then ran away and left it up to us. That sort of thing. Albert Einstein's interpretation of God, Hans Kong and so forth. So I just said, hey, if this stuff is legit, God, just do a little something, something. Um, you know, speak to me. Uh, I, how, how you speak to me is up to you. So I'm in a church service. I'm 14 years old. This guy comes up. I've never met before. He, he was a, the choir director of a ministry called Teen Challenge, a very prominent drug rehabilitation ministry in the state of Pennsylvania, led by a man named David Wilkerson, played by Pat Boone in the movie back in the day. Uh, he comes up in the, and never been to our church before, stops a song midstream and says, there's a, you know, I'm just telling you what I believe the good Lord is telling me. There's a young man here in this auditorium. His name is Sammy. He didn't say yes, a young man, a young man named Sammy. I'm the only Sammy in my church. And it was a Latino church. So it's not like it was the most introverted, quiet sort of setting. It, our polity, we're very passionate, you know, in, in our worship expressions and so forth. So the whole church went, I asked that muchacho, they pointed towards me, which is traumatic. I should be in therapy to this day. Maybe this is my therapy this day. Uh, so, I, you know, my pastor calls me out. I'm 14. Says, that's you, Sammy. He called you out by name. Come up. I'm going, oh, Lord Jesus, help us. 
And he comes up and starts just laying out, you know, here it is. And everything from my, from calling to destiny to purpose, even the audacity to say, Sam, this may be all, may be beyond you. And I'm speaking parenthetically to protect the integrity of the declaration. But there was a young lady there in the audience who heard it all. She's my wife of 32 years. So she was in the audience. My mom was there. My dad was there. You know, my sisters were there. And he says, you're going to pray over presidents, president of the United States of America. I've had the privilege of doing that for three presidents, of serving in some sort of advisory capacity to three different U.S. presidents. So it marked me that day right there, marked me to a great degree. Not that I never struggled again in my faith. Of course I did. We all do. And, and the struggle is part of the process. Uh, and I think that the process to a great degree is not a negative thing. It may be a beautiful thing. The God of the process is the same God of the outcome. So there it is. Here I am all these years later, you know, sharing this time with you because of that one incident that truly marked me and catapulted me into embracing everything God had for me as it pertains to purpose and assignment. Mm. Such a powerful testimony and a definitive moment in a young man's life being called out in front of the entire congregation and then prolific words being claimed on your future. Yeah. How much of you on the inside doubted that this was some hokey pokey thing, your name somehow got passed up in the offering, yeah. pick Sammy, you know, Elmer, Sammy's in the audience, he's struggling, pass the pick him. Yeah, yeah, snake oil salesman, Elmer Gentry, all of that stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, I have a line that that I use frequently in my, in my presentations. There's a fine line between the prophetic and the pathetic. There is a fine line. And I've been in the presence of the weird, and I've been in the presence of the wired, and we can't conflate them. Uh, so authenticity, right? Legitimacy. I doubted it. As a matter of fact, I went out and I went like, you know, what if someone, what if somehow he heard my name mentioned walking in, that sort of thing, you know, and, and all of that. Until, until, until sometime later, uh, and by sometime, I mean, I'd be a, a year and a half, two years later, I had another speaker come into our church and reiterated almost verbatim the same identical presentation in front of the same identical audience. Mm. And, and, you know, when you hear Samuel, I'm doing this because you doubt it when I did this before. So I'm going to continue to, to affirm your calling at that moment. I went, all right, tipping point. This is, this can't be a coincidence or how we would phrase it in Bethlehem, a coinkering, you know, this must be legitimate. Um, and it's just a marker ever since then, of course, I've had, as it pertains to my trajectory, because of my faith and because of my affinity for math and science, when I was at Penn State University studying, it was in my physics course and looking at the initial presentation of some quantum physics back in the 1990s um, as courses, uh, but in some of the big major threads from quantum mechanics and quantum physics, it was in my physics course that I had like the final epiphany of, all right, without a doubt, Sam Rodriguez will never doubt the existence of God ever again. It was in a physics course uh, when my professor just blew, you know, blew me away with, with, and all the data and all the information, the possibility of us being, even having this conversation right now from a physics universe creation, big bang reality it's just unbelievable. It just you. It requires you to have much more faith to believe that we're here randomly, 
by by chance. Uh, the, the evolutionary process, the fact that we are to this moment having this conversation via a medium that emerges out of you know technological growth and and our our cognitive ability to create the creative the, the ingenuity the innovation all of that it's that faith and science convergence it's like thomas aquinas and saint augustine have a starbucks date um and it's that it's not either or it's, it's faith and reason and the city of god coming together and that's rene descartes and blaise pascal however you want to phrase it and here I am today. That's that's what I don't doubt God. To, to be honest, now I'm at a point in life I have zero doubt regarding the reality of God. And I mean zero. My daughter almost died from COVID last year, and you could have said you should have doubted God at that critical moment. You know, she's a millennial. She gave birth to my first granddaughter. Her white blood cell count was was compromised, and all of a sudden she ends up in a ventilator and. And I'm going, no way. The stats speak that millennials don't die from COVID, right? They're protected. Like, I know the math. No way. That's 0.05. No, impossible. And I'm talking to the doctor. The doctor's telling me, no, your daughter's immune system was compromised. So she had an issue there. And here we are. And it doesn't look good, Mr. Rodriguez. I could have doubted God right there. I did not. Now, I had questions for God. I, I had questions about God's promises, my family, all of that but never doubted his existence. I doubted the process. I doubted my circumstances, whether or not they aligned themselves with the promises of God in scripture, but I never doubt the reality of a living God. That is, that's never gonna, it can't happen because there's just too much math, science, faith all together in a blender for me to ever doubt the reality of God. So Pastor Sam, thank you for walking us through that process because I think many listeners can really resonate uh, just with doubting God at times in their life. And maybe they're at a place now where they're like, man, too many God incidences have happened for me to ever doubt God. Plus the information, the science, it, it's just like you said, it takes more faith to not believe he's there. That's one point, one matter, one step in the journey of faith. But the next step, I, I see so many people, at least in my own coaching, uh, get stopped at or stuck at, and I'm going to turn it over to you to ask about what you see often in your congregation, is it's one thing to believe in God and then actively choose to love him. But so many people, would you say, get stuck in trusting him? trusting him with their lives, trusting him with the control over the matters that are outside of their control. You used your daughter as an example of one of those that hits home very real to you. Walk us through where you see your congregation get stuck in trusting God, where maybe you have, and how you get them through or how you got yourself through to the other end, where you can walk in faith and certainty uh, all in with God and his plan. So once we cross the Rubicon of believing God, believing in God, then we have to cross the next level, which is what you alluded to, is now that I believe there is a God, do I have faith to believe that that God has a purpose in my life, that he's involved in the daily reality of my life? Maybe the word intricacies may be a bit too much for some to swallow. Not in the minutiae, you know, is God involved in whether or not I have that Starbucks coffee or not. That's... We're talking about, you know, I think we have the maturity enough. I mean, we, we to understand it's not in the minutia of, the, you know, the Starbucks. But is there a God involved in my life? 
in caring for my family and supplying for the needs mentally, physically, emotionally, uh, above in, in every aspect of my life, and even to take care of my children and my family? The answer is without a doubt, yes. I, I know that firsthand, not just anecdotally, the testimonies through scripture from Genesis to Revelation, but I've experienced it firsthand. So it's not just, you know, someone else, I'm buying someone else's narrative or drinking someone else's Kool-Aid. I've lived it. And yes, my congregation, with my objective as a pastor and a preacher is to compel people to go, look, ladies and gentlemen, now that you know there's a God, can you believe him for his promises? And do we trust him? you know, completely, implicitly, and absolutely everything, the A to Z of our lives. I always reference the story of the Apostle Paul. In in the book of Acts, uh, the Apostle Paul is on his way to Rome to preach the gospel, to bring the gospel to the most important city in the world. And the first major outreach right there to the home of Caesar. He's en route, he's on a prison ship, and there's a nor'easter, boom. literally a a hurricane hits and he ends up, the ship falls apart. As the ship is falling apart, a bunch of men grab uh, lifeboats. They start lowering them. And Paul says, listen, you got to, you have to believe God for the process or you don't. We're going to get to Rome because God said we're going to get to Rome. So put away the lifeboats. We're all in this together. We're going to have to trust God. Are we at a point where we can trust God to do away of our plan B's? It requires that level of faith. Faith is trusting God when life makes no sense. That's faith. Faith is not measured by what we do when heaven is upon us. Faith is measured when all hell breaks loose against us. That's when we really measure the the level of faith that we have. And, And faith is trusting God when life makes no sense. I've discovered in my journey, it works. It truly works. Without failure, it works. Now, sometimes I may not be able to explain it today, but somewhere down the road, there are things I went through 10, 20 years ago that I did not have an answer to, but I have an answer to today. I get it now. Now I understand why I went through what I went through 10, 20 years ago. Now I get it. And you're going to have to give God that time, that space, for you to have the maturity of the ability to embrace the complete work, the finished work of Christ on the cross and his resurrection is absolutely everything. And then you flip the script, Philippians 1, 6, and it says that God will finish the work he has started in your life and in my life. So you have, you have to believe God for the process and for the outcome. Trust him, trust him 100%. And he's not afraid of your questions. So feel free to ask God all the questions you want. Feel free. It's it's a constant conversation. So feel free to have that conversation with God. He's not offended. BC Nation, Pastor Sam is challenging you and I right now with the question, do we trust God when life makes no sense? It's okay to doubt the process. It's okay to doubt what we see, the visible realm, the physical realm. It's okay. Now, it makes it reminds me, as you were saying this, Pastor Sam, that it reminds me of the crucifixion and how Jesus's very apostles uh, were looking at him, the savior of the world, hanging on a cross when they thought he would be a king, like a physical king up on a throne. 
And it made absolutely no sense. The world made no sense to them at that time. Could we agree on that? Absolutely. Absolutely, right? But then what you said is critical. We must allow God the time to reveal his plan. Imagine if we just stopped after the crucifixion and said, that's it. I'm out. I'm not believing in him. And we didn't wait the three days for him to rise and fulfill his promise with the resurrection. What do you want to say to that? All of us go through the same identical process. We could either get stuck, Joseph, in one of these corresponding seasons in life. In the Old Testament, if I were to use an Old Testament um, narrative as a metaphor, Egypt, the desert, the promised land. That was the trajectory, Egypt, desert, promised land. So you, we understand Egypt is failure and captivity. People come out of that. The vast majority of people die in the desert. They never get to the promised land because they get used to eating manna and water from the rock and going around in circles and murmuring and even complaining about themselves and justifying you know, this, this perpetual survival mode. Very few people enter into the promised land because they settle for manna when there's milk and honey waiting for them in the promised land. In the New Testament, I were to use the same and flip it. And, you know, you have the crucifixion, the resurrection, and to a great degree, the upper room. You have the crucifixion, which is great. It's the vicarious, atoning, finished work of Christ, the redemptive work of Christ. When you are born again, when, you're, when you are saved through Christ, you, his resurrection gives you that resurrection power. Eternal life, new life, John 3, 16, John 10, 10, abundant life, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. But then there's the Holy Spirit component, which is the empowered life, the kind of empowered life that enables you to walk around going, hey guys, Romans 8, 11, the same identical spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, not the clone, not the derivative, not a cousin, but the same identical spirit that raised Jesus lives in me, which means if Jesus came out of the tomb, I can come out of anything. The moment you get that, you can no longer stay stuck in one season. But let me put it another way. The battle is not what you think. The battle, and there is a battle, it's spiritual. It's, it is, there is spiritual warfare. There is a spiritual angst, tension. The battle is between your mind and your mantle. The battle is between the thoughts in your head and the calling upon your life. Hmm. The, the battle is actually between theological terms, anointing, which is another phrase for the Holy Spirit, 1 John 2, 27. The battle is between anointing and anxiety. The battle is between destiny and depression, between the flesh and the spirit. That's the battle. And if you understand, you're always going to live in tension, but you don't permit the negative components to overwhelm you because you rely on your faith in Christ and the faith of Christ that lives in you, not just to sustain you. You don't just want to be in failure and survival mode. You want to thrive for the glory of God. One of the most uh, transformative moments in my life is when I received the epiphany, uh, this sort of moment of Zen, where Sam Rodriguez changed his prayer life. I used to pray, God bless me, God bless me. And then God changed my life and said, no, 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 stop that. Stop asking for me to bless you and, and ask me to make you the blessing. What? And my prayer life changed. Lord, make me the blessing to someone in need. Instead of going, Lord, answer my prayer, I pivoted to, Lord, make me the answer to someone else's prayer. 
And, and that commitment to becoming a blessing to others, to becoming the answered prayer to someone else, that changed my life radically. Again, it requires us to remove the lid. What lids? The lid of unforgiveness, the lid of unbelief, and the lid of, of, of continual uncertainty. If we can remove these lids and really embrace all the promises of God, you're going to see your faith explode. It happened with my daughter. It happened on, on a number of occasions in my life. Back to my daughter, I, I was in my Jeep Wrangler in Northern California. After speaking to the doctor, I was on my way to get my latte, almond milk latte. At that time, no extra shot, just almond milk latte. And um, I was broken. Here I am, a pastor and everything else that you alluded to, which is all go God. That's all just God's beautiful grace and will. And I was broken. I just lost it. And I just called out to God and said, God, I don't doubt you. Uh, reading your reality. I'm doubting everything here. And I'm doubting how involved you are right now in this process, but I'm not doubting your existence. I'm just doubting your engagement. Mm -hmm. So Lord, can you do me a favor now? I can't talk to my daughter. She's in, you know, I see you. I can't see her. We haven't seen her, you know, California restrictive COVID measures. Uh, she has no idea where I'm at, what I'm doing. Can you just send heaven her way? I literally said this verbatim. Lord, can you invade her ICU room of heaven and can you send angels her way? Now, let me tell you the rest of the story from a guy who graduated from Lehigh University. Mathematical probability. Ready? I get a text back from my daughter. You want to hear what the text read? Dad, comma, it's not the meds, medicine. It's not the meds, I promise, comma. Dad, something weird just happened. Heaven just invaded my room. She used so, those words? Ladies and gentlemen, again, from a math nerd, how in the world, from a mathematical probability, can she state verbatim what I just prayed to God? She, she could have used uh, something you know, celestial. She used heaven invade in my room. And then she said, angels, I, angels are coming in and out. I know I was under, but it can't be the meds. I felt presence. For her to use angels, heaven invading room. What's the mathematical probability of her stating that after I prayed that? So I can't doubt. It's obviously, the moment she informed me of that, I... I I had all full certainty she was going to come out of that. And I have great empathy for families who have lost loved ones during COVID. I do. But I can't deny my miracle. I can't deny what, I, what happened in my life. And, and then 24 hours later, the doctor, I speak to the doctor, and the doctor begins with the quintessential phrase, right? Mr. Rodriguez, I can't explain what happened in the past 24 hours. And that was the beginning of her telling me, pick up your daughter in 48 hours. Not only is she no longer on a ventilator, she's breathing on her own. And she's occupying a bed that we're going to have to use. So come pick her up. She went from ventilator dying to, you know, 48 hours post facto after that, that call being picked up out of the hospital. Who does that? So I can't deny the fact that this was a God thing. And then the phrasing again, the, the just using the same identical words. So again, not everyone has the same outcome on this side of eternity. And I can't explain why. I can't. I would love to, but I can't. And there have been other occasions where I asked God for a specific outcome and I did not receive my specific outcome. 
So I can't explain why, but I can, I can with 100% certainty give God every bit of glory for these moments that serve as a testimony that enable me to share in order to inspire each and every person to embrace the reality of a loving, caring, compassionate God who cares about us and who loves us and who is fighting for us. Mm. Such a powerful story. Thank you for sharing that. And I know it's a personal story of your own daughter. Wow. Imagine had it, had you not prayed that prayer. Yeah. Right? And so many times we don't pray those simple prayers to God because we don't actually believe he will intervene. Right? We believe we're somehow in control of the matter, even though we're completely powerless in it. And it's all up to us. And we carry that weight, that heavy yoke on our shoulders. And God reminds us, like, his burden is is easy, right? The, the yoke is light. And it's like all we have to do is give him the situation. Total belief, total surrender, and then watch him be God. Like, how cool is that? Uh, I just want to share this quick story with UBC Nation. This past week, uh, I just told Pastor Sam, God blessed uh, my wife and I with a beautiful, healthy baby boy. Uh, My first son, his name is Asher, which means happy and blessed by God. Beautiful. And uh, middle name Gabriel, which is strength of God. So Asher Gabriel and... Uh, it was a quick delivery, um, about uh, eight minutes in total, and uh, but Asher got stuck, and uh, his head came out quick, and his shoulder got stuck on his mama's pelvic bone, and I didn't know what was happening. I'm looking down, watching the delivery doctor get a look of panic over her face, and I looked down at my son and I see his head sticking out and it's turning purple and then gray really quickly and I realized something was wrong in that moment and within a matter of seconds I see 20 people medical team come flying in the doors all assuming their positions for some kind of emergency protocol and I had no idea what had happened but it's a medical emergency called shoulder distortion or something like that and baby can die very quickly. The oxygen could get cut off uh, with the umbilical cord. And so they knew they, the clock was ticking. And I was there with my mother-in-law, and she's just bawling and laying on my shoulder. And we immediately just turned to God, like, God, mercy, mercy. And it was horrific watching my little baby kind of like coming into this world, but getting stuck in between this world and heaven. And I didn't know if God wanted, uh, you know, a refund, so to speak. And he was taking back my little baby. And I got to tell you, <laughs> it, 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 it was a struggle to watch that violent uh, yanking and pulling on my baby to get him out in time. And I don't have any picture perfect story here other than God heard my prayer. And a second later, baby released somehow and came flying out and they cut the cord and, and pumped the whatever stuck, uh, sucked out the snot. And it was a long 30 seconds in that room of silence until we heard that first cry. And then everyone just <sighs> sighed. 
I believe God answers our prayers. We don't have to make them perfect. Now, Pastor Sam said a very articulate prayer, and it was a very selfless prayer. My prayer, not so much. One word, mercy. Just God, mercy. We don't have to say the perfect words for God to show up perfect and perform a miracle. I have a son today because I asked that prayer. I truly believe that. So what is that thing in your life right now that you're just refusing to ask because you don't have the perfect words? Are you willing to do what Pastor Sam said? Lord, make me the blessing to someone else today. Lord, make me the answer to someone else's prayer. I think it's beautiful. I'm going to start taking that spiritual discipline up, that short little prayer in my own life. Because I realize, looking back on some of my prayers, they're, they're kind of selfish. Not going to lie. <laughs> and and I, I want to change the trajectory of, of my prayer life. And, and my belief is strong in God, but I want it to be stronger. I want it to be deeper. I want to be all in, don't you? Pastor Sam, thank you for letting me take a minute there to share that. Go, God. That was, that was beautiful. I mean, beautiful and, and inspiring. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. Jehoshaphat is surrounded, the people of God, the people of Judea are surrounded by the mucho malo hombres, completely surrounded. And I mean completely. One of the most simplistic prayers in all of Scripture. This is not like the one that appears in the Hall of Fame, but boy, did it ever work. This is Jehoshaphat's prayer. Ready for this? Dear God, I have no idea what to do next but you do. And then God just responds and says, the Lord says, the battle is mine. I got this. That's it. Joseph, I agree. Some of the most powerful moments of God come out of the most incoherent, non-Jeffrey Chaucer, William Shakespearean sort of prayers. It's just mercy. God can give me a little something, something. Send heaven to my daughter's room, please. What Mercy, help. I have no idea what to do next. Complete surrenderance. A, a prayer from a broken heart, a prayer of authenticity and transparency and brokenness opens the portal for divine interruption. A moment of vulnerability in the presence of God serves as the key for divine intervention. Just be real. Don't be religious. Be real. And watch God show up. Powerful message. Okay, Pastor Sam, I think we inspired someone out there. There's one person listening. And if we didn't inspire anyone, then they're all kind of dead. <laughs> Wake up, people. Wake up now. All right, so Pastor Sam, we're listening to Pastor Samuel Rodriguez. You can find him at pastorsam.com. He has a new book called Persevere with Power. Um, what is the, the number one main reason why someone should go get that book right now, Pastor Sam? It shares my daughter's testimony. It, it, it goes through the entire process, the angst, the tension, the consternation, uh, the outcome, even the process post facto, mentally, emotionally, psychologically. You're about to lose a child. You know, what, how do you respond? Uh, what does that do for your faith? 
what does that do going forward? Does that mark you? How does it define you? All of that is in the book. And it talks about just the powerful story from 1 Kings 19, 19, when a man named Elisha was pushing a plow and the prophet Elijah, the rock star prophet of his time, places his mantle, his cloak upon him, walks away. And that's, it serves as a metaphor. It, it talks about if you know what it is to push the plow in life, in relationship and family and home and marriage, in your faith. If you know what it is to push life's proverbial plow, then you should expect a mantle. You should expect a, a moment where heaven just places a deposit of destiny and purpose upon you that will mark you. And that mantle will serve as a legacy and inheritance for your children for generations to come. So, you know, I encourage you to pick it up, persevere with power. It will bless you indeed. Thank you for that. BC Nation, the takeaway there for me is God expects our faith and he expects our obedience. And in return, we can expect him to fulfill his promises in our lives. It's about expectation. It really is that relationship with him, that one-on-one. -on -one. And it's okay to expect God to do powerful miracles in your life, like Pastor Sam shared one in his. I'm sure there's many more. I've had many more in my life. If you're looking for those types of miracles, search first for the presence of God. Time with him. You'll get the miracles, but first get to know him. Let him get to know you. He made you, but he wants you to talk to him. And more importantly, he wants you to listen to him. So, Pastor Sam, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready, sir? Ready. Awesome. Thank you for letting me use the Catholic innuendos, by the way. It's fun. I love it. Love it. Awesome, brother. You quoted some saints in this conversation, so Indeed. go you. Uh, what is your favorite thing about God? Mercy. Amen. What is your least favorite thing about God? Mercy. How do you mean? It's, it's mercy way beyond me that sometimes creates room for Samuel Rodriguez not to take advantage, but not to live a more disciplined life. Mm. He loves yeah. me way beyond my capacity to understand, to manage it, to comprehend. What are you most afraid of? I'm most afraid of the next generation not being able to hear the beautiful message of the gospel of Christ preached freely. Mm. I'm afraid of what will happen to the next generation. Got it. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of the human condition. What are you currently struggling with right now, either professionally or personally? Struggling with that. It, it alludes to what I just laid it, stated, uh, struggling with a, a multi-generational sort of legacy passing the baton process, meaning I've reached an age where I just don't want this to be about Sam Rodriguez. It can't be. How do I identify the individuals that we equip and invest our time in this season, struggling with identifying the people that I want to spend quality time with, the Elishas in Samuel Rodriguez's life. Amen to that. God, we ask that you bring those individuals to Sam so that and he I'm, doesn't have to go find them on his own. And to be full disclosure, I'm also struggling with the Yankees tanking after a great win. 
can't even explain it, but that's a different story for another day. Go ahead. Listen, it's that's just, fair, brother. I get it. Yeah. All right. What did you spend? What did you spend way too much time doing this past year? Way too much time doing. Uh, speaking about COVID. Yeah, I get that. What secret fear do you have about people? That they drink too much Kool Aid. Uh, my the secret my secret fear about people is that gullibility, the fact that we still I've seen in the past year and a half how masses can easily just bow and acquiesce and surrender truth, rights, liberties on the altar of political or cultural expediency. Mm. So well said. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? I wish that I would have learned that he is the God of righteousness and justice, truth and love, that he is the God of a cross that is both vertical and horizontal, both vertical and horizontal. And uh, I had a myopic limited worldview because I was immature, but I never understood the fullness of the cross. And I either went vertical or I went horizontal and the cross is both. And I wish I knew sooner that the strongest part of the cross is the center of the cross, the nexus where the vertical and the horizontal intersect. What is the new habit you want to create in your life? The new habit that I want to create in my life is to read a lot more books that are not necessarily part of my uh, cognitive continuum <laughs> meaning okay. outside of the things that really interest me yeah i get that stretch yep what's a bad habit you want to break um starbucks <laughs> i get it i mean look at some of the things they support just saying starbucks uh pick three words to describe who you are now Faith-filled, faithful. Got it. Pick three words to describe who you were before you completely gave every area of your life to God and trusted him with everything. Driven, ambitious, hyper. <laughs> and last question, if you could come back to life after you died, Look your family and friends in the eye. Give them only one piece of advice about everything. Life, eternity, relationships, all of it. What would you say to them? Live a holy, healed, healthy, happy, humble, hungry, honoring life and with that life change the world around you. BC Nation, if you missed that, just click rewind and replay. <laughs> you said that so powerfully. Well done. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about completely trusting God when life does not make sense? Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. You are what you tolerate. There is no such animal as comfortable Christianity. Truth must never be sacrificed on the altar of political, cultural, or sexual expediency. And while we are waiting for Jesus to return, for Jesus to come down, Jesus is waiting for you and I to stand up. <laughs> Amen to that. BC Nation, it's time to stand. There are 120 million Protestants and Catholics in the United States alone. Imagine if we all pointed in the same direction and moved this country back to one nation under God. Pastor Sam, tell us 
where to find your book, where did my listener go, how did they get connected with you, what do you got for them? PastorSam.com is the website. Persevere with Power is the book. You can find us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Pastor Samuel Rodriguez, our podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, and so forth. Honored, honored, and blessed truly to be with you and to have met you. Thank you. All right, Pastor Sam, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in every area of your life, sir. Thank you, my friend. Likewise. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on a bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently. Like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids, we lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we wanna work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't wanna talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you wanna permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.